Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF Public Media's show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7, streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, we're spotlighting some special news reports and features that won awards in 2017. Coming up, a conversation with WUSF reporter and assistant news director Mark Schreiner and WUSF reporter and Florida Matters producer Stephanie Colombini. Support for Florida Matters More comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they can't afford. You can join the National Foundation for Transplants Operation Second Chance at transplants.org to learn how to help give someone a second chance at life. Mark Schreiner and Stephanie Colombini, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. Mark, your feature story was about USF's successful women's basketball coach, Jose Fernandez. So you had to take some special preparations to do those <laughs> interviews, didn't you? Well, Jose Fernandez is a very interesting uh, character, so that was the, the nice focus. But one of the things that you always want to do, uh, particularly when you're interviewing a, uh, a coach, is you want to talk to some of the athletes that he works with. And uh, I, I wanted to work with uh, the seniors. I wanted to interview the seniors on the women's basketball team because they've been around him the longest. They know him probably the best of any of the players. And in a few of the cases, these are international players. Uh, Jose Fernandez is very well known for our international recruiting. Uh, so one of the students that I wanted to interview was uh, Ariadna Pujol-Luch. Uh, she's from Spain. Good job, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do the names at commencement for USF, so I'm, I'm very good You're with some of these students. Uh, but anyways, um, Ariadna's uh, a guard, but she's about uh, six foot one. I will readily admit I'm five foot nine. Uh, we also were shooting these for TV as well when University Beat was still on WUSF TV. And so... I learned something in TV and that it's very important for the, uh, the, the subject to be within uh, eye range of the camera, kind of looking in the direction of the camera and not looking down at the oh, interviewer. Oh, so, something we wouldn't really necessarily right. think about. Yeah, yeah I, I, I learned this myself. Yeah. But um, anyways, so Ariadna wasn't staring at the top of my head or looking down <laughs> at me. We have these little apple boxes that we turned on the side and I stood on it. It was very nice. No problem. Then I had to interview another senior, and that's center Caitlin Weber. Mm -hmm. Caitlin is only about six foot ten. Oh, oh my, my gosh! gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm five foot nine. Um, so we had to turn the apple box on its side, <laughs> and so uh, I had to keep my balance for the interview. But uh, it, it's so I could be uh, eye level with a six foot ten senior. Is this the first time you ever had to? Make yourself taller? To no, do. no, no. I've actually interviewed former um, pro basketball players wow. before for University Beat. So you knew you brought the crate. Oh yes, absolutely. I, I, I told so I told our production crew bring the crate. Now imagine what it's like though for Jose Fernandez, who's about my height, five foot nine, mm -hmm. who has to talk to these uh, young women every day, mm -hmm. uh, and he doesn't use the crate. And that's that was the cool thing about the story is that you you see this personality in this uh, little five foot nine fireplug of a man who just knows how to get the most out of his students. And I think that was one of the nice things about this story was that it got his passion across so well. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you do University Beat features every single week. Um, what was it about this one 
that you think was special? I think for one thing is we don't do a lot of sports features on University Beats. I mean, we do. There is a tremendous athletic program at the University of South Florida. And when you look at the success stories, uh, the, the USF women's basketball team and Jose Fernandez is an incredible success story. Right. Uh, Jose has more than 300 career wins, and that was one of the reasons we did the story was he had just gotten his 300th career win at the time that we did the story. But what was amazing about that is his entire head coaching career has taken place at the University of South Florida. He's never gone to another school, never worked at another school as a head coach. One of the things that I've talked to the officials with USF Athletics about is this this fear that USF is kind of a training ground where coaches prove themselves and then they go to a bigger program. Jose's not that case. And he could easily go to a different school. Well, that's school. like University of Central Florida. I mean, right. that coach just Scott left Frost from, right, yeah, from the right. football coach. After he just took it to such a great level. Well, and you look at Willie Taggart, the great mm-hmm. example of USF football, who who used dun, the... Uh, dun, dun, uh, yep, now he's with <laughs> Florida State. And you saw how quickly he moved from USF to Oregon to Florida State. Again, Jose Fernandez has probably had countless offers, never taken them because he enjoys this program. You think the women's program is the same? You think it's the same way? I think it is. I really do. Because when you're successful, bigger schools notice it. Okay. So I want to say we do not, you know, we're a public radio station with a fairly small staff. We don't have a sports reporter. No. But even then, I mean, women's basketball doesn't get that much attention. I mean, do you ever watch women's basketball? Honest, be honest. I do. I do. And I've gone to the Final Four when it's been here in Tampa. Um, Because when it's played at the highest level, any sport any sport right. is a good sport, and I enjoy watching it. When when you're watching people who are great at it, uh, USF has the misfortune of being in the same conference as the University of Connecticut women's basketball team, which mm. is literally they're like the name. Yeah, they're the dynasty. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you look at the number of national championships they won, and USF has always because they've been in now I think two different conferences with UConn. They've always viewed UConn as this this guiding post. I think there is a day, I don't know when it will be, but there is a day where USF will beat UConn's women's basketball team. There's a day. I don't know when it is. It's going to happen, and it's going to be a huge story. If this coach stays. But even if it isn't Coach Fernandez, yeah. if it's the next coach down the line. He's already done the recruiting. Yes, because uh, he's built the program, and the program has mm-hmm. a great reputation. As I said, it's a wonderful international reputation program as well. Um, so it was just, as I said, it's a fun story to do, and that was one of the reasons is because it is a successful program. He is a tremendously successful coach who's had this tenure. If you look at it, he's basically, he came in with President Genshaft which is actually about the same time I started uh, doing University Beat, all in that 2000-2001 period. So it's funny because I've known that Jose's been here all this time, and I never had the chance to sit down and talk with the man until we did this story. Yeah. Well, your interest and the fun really came through, and the sound was great. To go from that fun, uh, lively (laughs) story to Stephanie Colombini's story about the opioid crisis and its effect on the foster care system, and it was a great story, Stephanie. You went into someone's home um, that that was fostering the children. Go ahead and explain it. Sure. Um, So this feature was part of our award-winning show on foster care in general, and the whole the show and the story really got me excited because it was one of those rare moments where kind of 
Yes, I was looking for the story, but then I found a bigger story. Um, so I am a health reporter and wanted to do something on the opioid crisis and sort of its ripple effects, how it impacts not just the people who are addicted to the drugs, but everybody in their lives. So in this case, the children of um, addicts and what happens when they get removed from their homes and placed into foster care. I had read that the issue was getting pretty bad in Sarasota Manatee because especially Manatee County had some of the highest overdose rates in the country um, recently. So I met with a woman from the Safe Children Coalition, which is their foster kids, uh, foster care agency out in Sarasota, Manatee. And what I thought was going to be a quick coffee date to just kind of better understand the issue turned into like a two and a half hour session of just learning about all these problems that I had no idea existed in the foster care system. And so that really inspired doing the feature and the show in general. Um, Getting to meet the foster moms was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. Uh, Elizabeth and Kate Dumbaugh, they're a married couple that live in Sarasota. And just foster moms extraordinaire is how um, the, the foster care lady described them because they had seven kids at once at one point, um, not all related, you know, and they just welcome children into their home like it's it's nothing and are really amazing at not only taking care of those kids but respecting the parents of those kids you know some foster parents really like to keep the children separate from their birth parents especially if drugs are involved or something like that where it might not be safe and of course if it's not safe you shouldn't but Elizabeth and Kate kind of recognize the human in everybody and know that even a parent struggling with addiction still Love, may love their children and deserve to be a part of their kids' lives. So they were really instrumental in not just kind of helping the kids out while their parents were going through rehab or all the steps to get their kids back, but keeping that parent a part of the kid's life throughout the fostering process so that they really help the family heal. One question that I had, I think probably every parent has, is how do you foster children without becoming so attached that your heart breaks every single time right. you release the child back? And it's really hard. Um, Brina Slater, the woman who works at the Safe Children Coalition, said that's one of the reasons it's so hard to find foster parents because that grief issue really turns people off. They're like, I, I can't imagine loving this kid and then having to give it back. People, Alyssa, because people feel that way even about fostering pets. Right. You know, exactly. so I you know a baby, I am. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's why she says it. It really is a calling. There's there's just people out there that are, are made for it. Um, and I think Elizabeth and Kate identify themselves as those people that, that just know that having that special momentary bond is worth it for them. And I think they are because they maintain such a good relationship with the birth parents. They, I think they are lucky enough to maintain positive relationships with those families after the kids are reunified. Um, I do believe they actually did end up adopting some of the children as well. But so they might have had to have a, a little more of a permanent relationship. But again, I think it is a calling. I, yeah, it's just and, a special trait. You know, something about this couple is that it's a lesbian couple. And mm -hmm. you just reported on that very matter-of-factly in your reporting. And it really wasn't that long ago that this would have been kind of unheard of. I mean, yeah. the Florida's ban on gay adoption was officially repealed in 2015. So just a few years ago, well, um, you know, they were allowing what was interesting because I did a little research on this, although adoption was banned, Florida law was 
allowing single-sex couples to foster children. Mm. So um, did that even come up when you reported this? No, to me it, it wasn't. A no. big deal, you know. I didn't even want to point that, you know, because that in and you're 2018, young and you I'm just young, moved yeah. to Florida, so it was you weren't here through all that transition. Exactly, so I just, come from New York, so uh-huh. it's a little more liberal. But I think, that, if anything, they're just exact proof of of why it's kind of ridiculous. It took that long for the, those laws to be repealed because they are living proof that same sex. Couples can absolutely be incredible parents, if not better parents. I mean, I saw I saw a news report just 2010 and the foster parents about this issue. And the foster parents didn't even want to be identified because they were afraid they might lose their children if it got out into the press. So, I mean, it's it's interesting that things have come so far so fast, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I and there was even an article this year in the Orlando Sentinel because the same kind of problem, um, finding foster parents for the, for these children of drug addicted parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they were saying they're actively recruiting same sex couples and even and single parents. Yeah, because there's such a such a shortage. Um, well, things yeah. have changed. I'm glad so, things have changed. So and that Elizabeth was, and Kate it, it, you know, are a great demonstration of that. And you also, Delina Miller couldn't be with us, but yes. you and she did a series of music stories. Um, yeah. That won awards. So that was tell us so about much that. fun. Yeah, so it's great. It was really great this year to get you know recognized for serious work like the opioid story that you know highlights an important issue, and then doing stuff like the music series that is just my passion. I love music. I'm a sound geek. I love mixing it. And so yeah, we have at WUSF an ongoing series called Art Populi. Every year we kind of tackle a different facet of art. So in 2017, it was live local music. So we were just looking for all sorts of great examples around Tampa Bay of, of music. Um, and I love music. I'm, you can find me at a concert just about every week. <laughs> so I'm always, you know, putting it on in my car. So this was so much fun for me. Um, my two stories, I found this amazing Monday night jazz jam at this restaurant in downtown St. Petersburg basically every Monday. Just, you know, jazz musicians, amateur and pro. Isn't that an airport or something? Yeah, the Hangar Restaurant and Flight Lounge at the uh, Albert Witted Airport. So pretty casual burger joint, but every Monday they're, you know, pretty packed for a Monday, which is normally a slow night in the restaurant business and just awesome music. And, you know, like I said, such a range. There was a 19-year-old kid who's just kind of like, working on his skills and there's you know the night I was there John Lamb who's this famous bassist he played in Duke Ellington's band in the 60s he was there so and the other really wacky you know group I got to profile <laughs> was this band called the Florida Bjorkestra and they're just like this collection of musicians from around here that get together and do cover songs of Bjork or Peter Gabriel Kate Bush kind of these like niche artists that um have a really avid fan base, even though, you know, they're not going to be showing up at Amelie Arena anytime soon. And, it was but, a great, it's yeah. a great piece. And I want to just yeah. stop and say, here's what makes radio different, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we love audio. Yeah. You know, yeah. these, I think all the things that these stories that won awards had in common was sound. Mm-hmm. Um, my piece was about uh, violins. Yeah, these are radio stories, and, and you're you're the, the the sounds of the basketball game and the whistle and all that really takes you there. And, and in addition to that, because you know, thankfully, 
you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I mean, we're good storytellers. But the thing is, is in addition to the great sound is these are great stories about people. And that's the cool thing is when you find these stories, you know, you think about the foster story that Stephanie did. It's a great story about a couple that love kids. Um, you know, the, the music, it's about people who love music and basketball the same way. Um, Daylena Miller's piece in the, uh, in the Art Populi about music was so great because it was the history of death metal mm-hmm. in the Tampa Bay area because Tampa Bay area is world-renowned as the birthplace of death metal. Yeah. And, you know, you're hearing it on NPR radio. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And I got to tell you something. We, um, I was doing a, uh, a seminar at Pointer for journalists from around the world, and there were um, about six uh, journalists from Denmark who were in, and one of them, just every day he wore a different I could see it was a death metal T-shirt to these classes. And finally I said to him, I'm like, you're a death metal fan. And he's like, yeah, I'm a bass player in a band and everything. And I said, you know about Tampa? And he says, oh, I know Tampa is the birthplace. And I said, you've got to hear this story. And I played him Daylina's story. And, you know, one, as a journalist, he loved it. Two, as a death metal fan, he was freaking out. He just huh. thought that this was the best story. He was like, that's so good. You've got to tell this tell this reporter I loved it. It, it was yes. great because she's so passionate about Definitely. it. Definitely. And, yeah, it, it, we really, in some of her language, you listen to that story and you hear her description of the scene at one of these concerts of, you know, the bass player sweat dripping off his off of his head and beer stained floors floors. yeah Yeah, you really felt like you were in the room and what i also loved about the music show the florida matters music show that we had where we summarized the the number of reports that we had was and i i ended up being the the final editor on that one and i remember telling stephanie this is a great show because every single person who listens to it is going to love one part of this show and hate another <laughs> because the the wide range of music that we captured in the Tampa Bay area was so great and I just remember listening to it and going this is so good people are just going to go crazy over this mm, and was... and the judges loved these kinds of shows as well yeah that was a really fun show and I think you know touting your violins of hope piece oh, yeah. where I mean, with radio stories and how important the sound is, your violins were like a character. It wasn't just ambient sound. I mean, that was like vital to telling the story. And I think that's a really rare but awesome opportunity in radio is when we can have those moments where our sound is a a, a character. character. The sound in that story, the violin story, when you put the sound on top of the words, just the sound alone could touch mm-hmm. a, 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 an emotion, a sadness, um, a, a memory deep inside. I remember listening to that story probably two or three times and every time just being emotionally affected yeah. by it. Well, I got to credit the violins for that more, yeah. Than, yeah. more than my than, than my production. No, no, I mean, no, that's, no. you know, that's the, that's the magic of radio. So Mark Schreiner and Stephanie Colombini, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Listen to Florida Matters Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. And you can always find it online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sussingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.